Hi Church and welcome to our SIBKL online service. We are into our First Thessalonians series and today we will be considering First Thessalonians 4 verses 1 to 12 on how we ought to live our lives to please God in preparation for the soon coming rapture and the return of our Lord Jesus for all of us. But before we look at this chapter, let's read the last verse in chapter 3, which sets the stage for us when considering how we ought to live our lives and be blameless and holy while we wait for the Lord's return. Let's read this verse on your screens right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all the holy, His holy ones. Let's read this one more time. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 13. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Let's pray. Father God, even as we consider uh, on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and how on how we are to live our life that pleases You, Lord, I pray, Lord, that truly You will come and anoint my lips, Lord, that even as I bring forth Your Word, may it truly be a word in season. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that You will truly grant me uh, the unction and the anointing that I will speak Your Word without fear and favour of men, that even as this Word goes forth, Lord, that we will not just be hearers of Your Word, but be doers of your word as well. So be with me and anoint me right now, even as I submit myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, uh, can you please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? If not, you can read off the screen uh, and, and follow me as we read along. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, reading from verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His 
Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. So here in chapter 4, Paul transits his commendations and exhortation to urge the Thessalonians to continue to walk in the Lord and live a life that pleases God. So we can break down our study uh, in these uh, 12 verses to these categories from 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1 to 8. The main theme is become who you already are in Christ. And uh, I broke down my sermon to three P's. The first P is prioritize your walk with God in verses 1 and 2. Pursue God's will for holiness, verses 3 to 8. And the last part from verses 9 to 12, the main theme is on the fruit of the gospel is love. And the last P is practice love for one another. So, uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 to 2 again. And here uh, we know that uh, even as for matters, uh, other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. So as we have studied in our previous sermons, uh, especially the first sermon, we know that the Thessalonians church they are a model for all believers. And here, the Apostle Paul is asking them, you know what God says to you, so commit to know what God says. And secondly, commit to do what God commands. So in short, what the Apostle Paul is asking them to do is they are to prioritize their walk with God. So Paul was writing to the Thessalonians church amidst a culture where sexual activities as practiced in the Roman Empire was so perverse and it is as common as when you are hungry, you eat. And when you wanted to have sex, you just go for it. Irrespective of your relationship, with the person that you're having sex with. So it was so common and what is common is not holy. So to achieve victory over sexual sin, they needed to go back to fundamentals, their personal walk with God. Sexual sin, like any other sin, finds its root cause in our unwillingness to know what God says and to do what God commands. So Paul then urged them to pursue God's will for holiness 
And this brings us to our second P, there is to pursue God's will for holiness. So it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So in the NIV version, uh, it, they use this word, avoid sexual immoral immorality. But in the King James Version, I like the King James Version, it says to abstain from sexual immorality. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is truly the will of God as we have read that truly it is God's will that we should be sanctified, that we should avoid sexual immorality. So what is this word sanctified? It comes from the Greek word hagemos, the action of making or declaring something holy. And in Hebrews 12 verse 14, we read, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Why? Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but for me, I would want to see the Lord, don't you? But the, the Bible is very clear that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So Paul goes on to tell the Christians in Thessalonica that their new way of life is the will of God, that they should be sanctified to be made holy. So the root notion for this word is separation, that God's people should be set apart and be separate from the world. So um, you may be asking me, Pastor, aren't I sanctified the moment I receive Christ? So let's spend some time now on this whole area of sanctification and let's turn our attention now to the diagram that you see on your screens right now. So on your left-hand corner, this is what we call positional sanctification. When you receive Christ into your life, it was a decisive moment that you receive Christ and it is a once and for all decision. So it is nothing to do with you, but it is all based on the finished work of Christ. Tetelestai, it is finished. The debt of sin has been paid. The punishment for our sins has been fully meted out. And the, the power of sin and death has been overcome. So truly, this is nothing of our own doing, but it is based on the finished work of Christ. And we have forgiveness of sin. So this is what we call justification, which is our legal standing in the Lord. Then as we progress in our walk in the faith and as a Christian, this is what we call the progressive sanctification. And this is what we call practical holiness. And it is a continuous process. On a daily basis, we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be more and more Christ-like. 
So God and man is like cooperating towards Christ-likeness and the whole purpose of sanctification is that we will overcome sin in our lives. And of course, the last part of our journey is glorification. And that's why we have this glorious hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, where we look forward to His coming and we will have a glorified body, a resurrected body which will never grow old or have any sickness. And this will be our future state when Christ comes for us and we will be conformed to the image and the character of Christ. Amen. So I'm looking forward to this day when the Lord comes for each one of us. So this brings me to my remembrance of this story. Uh, I have a friend uh, uh, who, who is a Christian, of course, and, and every time when he goes to bed and, you know, when he goes to bed, he switch off all the lights and halfway when my friend is like snoring away, the wife will kick him uh, on the side and he will wake up startled and say, why do you kick me? Then the wife will say, oh, I'm just checking whether you are raptured or not. So my dear friends, if you don't want to be in the position of my friend's wife who has to check whether he's raptured and she was left behind, pursue God's will for holiness because without holiness, no one can see God. So sanctification touches every area of a person's life. But given the setting of Thessalonica and also in our current modern sex culture, Paul begins with this subject of sexual purity. Whoa, I can almost hear some of you ask this question to me. Pastor, why always talk about sex and being holy? How can we be holy this side of heaven? I received Christ, I got my passport to heaven, and God is so gracious to forgive me. Enough lah! Really? So let's see how God views sexual immorality and how Christians are to view sex and sexuality. So sexual immorality comes from this Greek word, pornea, where we get the word pornography or pornographic. Okay, so uh, any sexual activity uh, which is outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman is called pornea. So sexual activity for the Christian is to take place within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman. So anything outside of this marriage covenant is called pornea. And in Hebrews 13 verse 4, it says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Friends, you don't want God to judge you in this area. So imagine with me for a while, what if I walk up to a brother who has a beautiful wife 
and I say to him, Hey brother, can I date your wife tonight? Uh, bring her for a date night, have a nice dinner with her, and thereafter, you know, have dot, dot, dot. I tell you, this brother will beat the living daylights out of me. Why? Because I'm trespassing and I'm violating their marriage covenant. And it is the same with God, dear friends. We are the bride of Christ and we are covenanted to Him. We are purchased with the precious blood of Christ. We are His and He is mine. Amen? So let's move on and read. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, we read that, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. So just as Paul urged the Corinthian church not to go back to their former life, as they are washed, they are sanctified and justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God, he is saying the same to the Thessalonian church now, and Apostle Paul is also saying to you and I, abstain from sexual sin. And this involves the ability to control your body in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So thus, thus, pleasing God means saying no to the flesh. Simply stated, we must control our bodies and not let our bodies control us. And the reason why people cannot control their passionate lusts like the pagans is because they do not know God. Sexual sin is a transgression not only against the holiness of God, but it also is against the dignity of other people. As Paul describes in verse 6, that when we commit sexual sin, we disobey God's will and we disregard our brother or our sister's personhood. So, God has written no trespassing over every man or woman who is not one spouse. And he has also posted the warning, trespassers will be prosecuted. Often we hear of one person say to another, if you really love me, you will have sex with me. Really? The truth is, 
if that person really loves the person he or she wants to have sex with, they would wait patiently for their wedding night. The only time when God removes the no trespassing sign is when a man and a woman are married. Sexual sin is saying to God, I don't care if I sin against you. And I also don't care if I cause other people to sin against God. So why is this subject so important to Paul? And he gives a straightforward answer in the latter part of verse 6. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned before. I like the New King James Version which says, Because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarn. So my friends, God will avenge those who commit such sins. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. The Apostle Paul closes this subject in verse 8 by stating that, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but they reject God. And herein lies the help for us that God has given us a Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there to help us to overcome this sexual sin. Amen? Our power to live a life that pleases God is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So dear friends, you are not alone in this. You are given the Holy Spirit and He will empower you to overcome this sexual sin. So let's spend some time now to see how we can live a life that pleases God by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look at your screens right now, you will see this diagram where uh, it, it illustrates that a human being, we are a tripartite being. There are three parts to our being. It consists of the body, which is the dwelling of the spirit and the soul. And we have our five senses of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Then we have a soul, which is our personality. And this is what controls our mind, our emotions, and our will. And the inner core of our being is what we call the spirit man. And this is our identity where we have our conscience, where we have fellowship with God and we have discernment or another phrase is what we call intuition. So the real you is a spirit. You are a spirit made in the image of God, but you live within a body and you have a soul, which is your thoughts and your emotions. And while we have a soul and we live in a body, God does not want us to be led by our minds and our bodies. 
That is not to say that all these are not important and we don't take care of our body and our mind, but God wants our spirit man to take precedence over our mind and over our body. And we can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Romans 8 verse 5, uh, we read this, that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Therefore, in verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. The Holy Spirit dwells in our spirit and that is how God leads us from within and how He wants us to lead our soul and body. So in order to live a life that pleases God, operate not in the realm of the flesh, but in the spirit. There must be, be, there must be what our senior pastor, Pastor Chu, calls an oncological inversion. As you can see in this diagram, there is the Holy Spirit giving life and controlling our mind and our body. So this is what Pastor calls an oncological inversion, that the Spirit is the one that gives life to our mind and our body, and we are imputed with the righteousness of Christ. So in this diagram, the Spirit is the one that will influence the mind, our soul, and our body. And we read this in Romans 8 verse 9, that you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Serious, huh? So if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because His Spirit lives in you. So my dear brothers and sisters, you can be an overcomer 
and live a life that pleases God. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, in summary, we have dealt with uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 to 8, and we have looked at the two piece, which is to prioritize your walk with God, verses 1 to 2, to pursue God's will for holiness. And in verse 9 to 12, the last bit of what I want to share with you today is this main theme with regards to the fruit of the gospel is love. And here the Apostle Paul is asking them to practice love for one another. And here in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9 to 12, let's read from your Bibles. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. But in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. So here, the Apostle Paul is asking them that they must have a genuine love for others as reflected by how we live and we work. So number one is you have to love each other genuinely. And the Apostle Paul was telling them, your love has already been shown. You are already showing your love. Your love shows, your love goes uh, even throughout Macedonia. And now we want you to grow your love, that you do it more and more. And this is the second time where we hear Paul asking them to do this more and more. So some Christians, even in Thessalonica, they are looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And they fold their arms, they don't want to work, they say, we just relax and wait for God to come back. But the apostle Paul says, no, you must continue to work diligently. You need to eat, ma. so you need to work, if not how to eat. Yeah? So lead a quiet life, mind your own business, M-Y-O-B, and work with your hands. Then thirdly, live your life purposefully. Make a difference in your world and don't take advantage of others. So even as we bring this to a close, I would like to draw your attention even to this passage in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians. And let me read uh, these verses to you that truly, therefore, my dear friends, in Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, if you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How? For it is God 
who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill His good purpose. This verse is so powerful and so real to me. And let me read it one more time that it sinks in to your spirit man. Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, if you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, Paul's presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How? For it is God's for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So we are really on the winning side because even in this verse in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 13, it says that for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. It is not by your strength, it is not by your might, but it is God working it out in you. Amen. So as Christians, let us live a life that pleases God. Let us prioritize our walk with God, pursue God's will for holiness, practice love for one another, that even as we continue to live a life that pleases God, we can look forward to the day where Christ will come for each one of us and we will be ready even to meet the Lord in the air, even as He comes for each one of us. So let's bow our heads in prayer that even as we bring this to a close and the worship team sings the song, God is on the throne. My question to all of us is, would you let the Holy Spirit of God be enthroned in your heart's throne? Then and only then will you be able to live a life that pleases God. So may He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Even as we bow our heads in prayer, if there's anyone you require prayer, uh, you can go into the prayer room and there will be pastors and ministers who are there waiting for you to pray for you. And my dear brothers and sisters, that even as we close with this song, that God is on the throne. I really do not know what each one of you are going through, but I pray, O Lord, that God is there for you and with you. That God is not there to condemn you, no matter what you've done in the past, let that be the past. Because the Word of God says, for those who are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. May you live a life that please God and live in this newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let's pray. Father God, even as we sing this song, God is on the throne. We want to enthrone you, Lord, as Lord over our lives. May you sit enthroned in our hearts, throne, Lord. And even as you sit in our hearts, throne, may the Holy Spirit within us work out the salvation in each one of us, O Lord, that we will live a life that please God, that we will prioritize our walk with you. We will pursue God's will for holiness in our life and that we will practice love for one another. So I speak a blessing over each and every one of my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that even as we sing this song, God is on the throne. And even as we close this meeting, that truly may the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and truly, uh, even as God may empower us to live in Him, Lord, we pray that may God bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards all of us and grant us His shalom peace. And all of God's people say, Amen. So let's sing this closing song, God is on the throne. Amen. <laughs>